and busy as can be. Had a really, really great run over in Europe. Played 11 gigs. Eight of them were sold out, and the other three were almost sold out. It's full houses. A really good run, but I guess that wasn't going to be good enough for me. I had to come down with some kind of a flu virus or something. I think I got it on the plane going over because it hit me on the second gig of the tour. And man, it was rough. I had a fever for probably five or six of these gigs. You know, just aching. My bones aching. Just felt like somebody just beat the hell out of me. Everyone listening to this has had that kind of sickness and you know what it's like and that it does not feel good. Now imagine that you got to go stand in front of 150 or 200 people and entertain them while you're feeling that way. And luckily, the shows went great. The audiences were really lively and wanted to have a good time, and that made it to where I didn't have to work too hard. I met so many people on this run that listened to the show. I had no idea there were that many people in Belgium, for instance, that listened to the, to the show. I get to see the stats, and I know where they're broke down, but when somebody's standing right in front of you and starts telling you about an episode, it feels pretty dang good. I really appreciate that. Thank you guys who made long drives to the gigs coming out to them. I, I appreciate that. I hope that uh, my coughing and hacking on stage wasn't too much for you. Everybody seemed to laugh along and have a good time. It'd been a while since I'd been sick and had to, had to do a tour. You know, you get little ailments or whatever, but when something serious comes down, you can't cancel. You got to go do it. Back when I planted trees, I was proud of my perfect attendance for 10 years, never missing a day's work. And there were many days that I had a fever and felt terrible and thought if I would show up to work for somebody else and to plant trees, then I have to show up for my own gigs and the people who are nice enough to come see me and give everything I have. And hope, hopefully whatever I had to give was enough. That's the most important part is that whatever you have to give, you give it. But I got to stop off at a few different places and I uh, went to some museums, saw some fun things on the roadside. One thing that kind of stood out is I remember years ago when I would walk around Amsterdam, down by one of the canals, there was some guitar shop in a basement. And man, it was the neatest place. It was just really packed full of just old, weird guitars, stuff you don't see anymore. There were Italian amplifiers and things like that. As an American, there was a lot of things that I'd never seen. And I used to go in there and you could barely walk through. It was just so cluttered with instruments. It must have went out of business at some point because I was unable to find it. I didn't know whether I just lost track of where it was. Well, I was asking my friends Sandra and Luciano about if they remembered it. And they said, ah, actually, we're friends with the guy that owns that place. And uh, it caught on fire a few years ago. And he decided to move everything into his own home, and he just runs the business out of his home. So Sandra ran me over there, and we looked around, and man, it was just this beautiful little museum of old weird guitars and amplifiers and, uh, and old 78 jazz records and stuff like that. We sat around listening to his 78s. He had a, an RCA turntable and tuner. I'm talking like a really, really old one. And he had a a big, huge set of speakers that came out of an Italian movie theater. So we're listening to old jazz records and old blues records on that. And looking around at all the guitars, and I saw an old Leedy banjo 
which Leedy was made in Indiana, in Indianapolis, Indiana. It was the factory was in my old neighborhood of Fountain Square, and here's this banjo all the way on the other side of the world, about a hundred years old, and uh, that brought me back home, made me feel pretty good. So many neat instruments, and uh, I wanted to buy so many things. I ended up buying a guitar and taking it home. It was built in 1966 in a factory in Gothenburg, Sweden. And the factory was owned by Martin, but it's not a Martin guitar. But it was really nice. It sounded really nice. And uh, it was damaged in the fire. And that kind of made it seem a lot neater to me. I remembered that old shop and the fact it survived the, the fire. I thought the heck with it. So I bought it and I brought it home. The guitar shop is called Palm Guitars, and I think they're on social media. And Soren is the guy that owns it and showed me around. And hopefully you guys will get a chance to take a look at it. And if you're in Amsterdam, stop by. I think you'll get a kick out of it. If you're out there suffering from flu or something, I really am feeling for you. And I hope you get feeling better. Hi friends, this is Otis Gibbs, and you're listening to Thanks for Giving a Damn. I'm sitting here in a hotel room in Berkeley, California. This is a personal journal. This has been an experiment. I like to say right up front that I haven't the slightest idea what I'm doing, but I decided to do it anyway. This show was founded with the idea that there are only two people in art that matter. There's the creative individual and the person experiencing it, and everything else is an artificial filter. This is a way for me to share things with you guys without any filters whatsoever. My guest this week is Reggie Young. Reggie's one of the greatest guitar players of all time. And you can find out everything you need to know about Reggie at reggieyoung.org. I can't say how much of a treat and an honor it was to get to go to Reggie's home here outside of Nashville and sit and his table and just listen to his stories. When I first started this show, Reggie was one of the people that I wanted to have on. He's been involved in so many important and great recordings in American music history. It was beautiful to get to sit down and listen to him tell his stories. This episode, we talked about what it was like to tour with the Highwaymen. I can't count how many times I've watched that Highwaymen concert here on public television. And uh, there's Willie, Waylon, Chris, and Johnny Cash. And if you look right over Johnny's shoulder, there's Reggie Young playing guitar back behind him, playing the hell out of the guitar. It's great to sit back and listen to Reggie tell stories about playing with those guys. I hope you enjoy this as much as I did. Here's Reggie Young. Well, I think it kind of evolved. I don't know who started it. I think Cash did. He was going to do an album on Cash. Then he had some guests, you know, like Willie and Christopherson and uh, and Waylon. And it just kind of evolved into a group. Moment was recording it. 
when they got through with the album, they wanted to go on tour and promote the, you know, promote, promote the album as a highway. Most of the Memphis, all the Memphis boys went with them. And I was kind of scared to leave Nashville in my safe environment I had as a studio musician. I said, well, I'll do it. I'll, t- I'll go out. The first tour was 30 days. And I said, well, I'll do it. I'll try it for 30 days. I remember I had a calendar and I'd X off each day, you know. <laughs> and we, it was a bus tour. And uh, so I had, my, I had it on my bunk uh, calendar and I'd mark off the days that each day would go by. Who all was on your, in your bus? Uh, the band. We had our own bus, which was Gene Christman and Bobby Wood, Bobby Emmons, and myself, and uh, Mickey Raphael. And we had everything you could want on the bus. Food was incredible. We had our own bus. And then the four of them had their own buses. And then the crew had their bus. And uh, when, we, when we were going down the road, we looked like the Ringling Brothers Circus. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we, we went out to Phoenix and rehearsed the show, got it down, went to uh, the first show was in, uh, I think it was in Dallas. We broke all the records for the Texas State Fair, you know. Order of the day for the highwaymen was to show up at, say if it was 8 o'clock, be there at 8 o'clock. <laughs> and, uh, and if we, we were on our bus going somewhere and we saw something over here, oh, that looks nice, we'd take our bus and go over there and do it, you know, and look at it. And uh, we'd get to the hotel and get checked in and show up at the auditorium in time to, because we had a crew that uh, everything was turned on and in tune, and all I had to do was pick up my guitar and start playing it. Everybody in the world wanted to get on that tour, by the way. I'll bet. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but it was, it, was, it was a lot of fun, and they were a great group of guys. They just couldn't be anybody. Oh, it's cool. I, I knew him... He's from Dias, Arkansas, and I'm I'm from a little place probably five miles from there called Osceola, Arkansas. My cousin said uh, my uncle had a farm and uh, said Cash used to come over and work for my uncle, uh, chopping or picking cotton, you know. So I, I met Cash in probably, I don't know if it was back in the 50s or not, but it was way back when. And he was on a radio station in Memphis. And I worked for the guy, the disc jockey, named Eddie Bond. We had a band called Eddie Bond and the Stompers. <laughs> and uh, it was a rockabilly band. And my cash had uh, 30 minutes, I think, on the radio. That broadcast from West Memphis. It was in Memphis, but they broadcast out of West Memphis. So we go back a long way. He told me, he said, you're probably the oldest person I know, I mean, I've known as longer than anybody on this tour. Pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> was he fun to be around? Yeah, he was. Was he a serious guy? Was Absolutely. he a joke? Or? Yeah, he did that too. <laughs> I remember we were in Australia. Before we went on, he said, I got a gift I'm going to give you all before we go home. And he opened this bag and he had all these watches, Ro- Rolex watches. 
He said, each one y'all get one of these. So, and it looked like the real thing. <laughs> but the second hand would click. A Rolex doesn't do that. Anyway, he, I think he made $10 or $15. <laughs> for, you know, for each of them. And uh, I still got mine in here somewhere. <laughs> and uh, but he's a, He was a funny guy. When we first started, yeah, he... He'd gone to the dentist, and uh, he had a wisdom tooth pulled, I think, and it broke his jaw. And that's where we let, started down on the tour. So I, you could tell he was in a lot of pain. And uh, when he turned around and looked at the band, he gave us a thumbs up for finger. But he, when he was hurting it, so anytime I had anything to complain about, I'd think of Johnny Cash. I said, I don't have anything to complain. I think I read a story about uh, you starting off Folsom Prison. Oh, yeah. That was in Central Park in, <laughs> in New York. <laughs> but it's still funny. The way, he, the, and we hadn't done the show in a couple of months. And the way they, he introduced himself, he'd step up to the microphone and say, Hello, I'm Johnny Cash. And then I would play, don't, 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 don't you know. Uh, Folsom Prison Blues intro. So at Central Park, uh, he was just standing there. <laughs> All four of us standing there. Finally, he turned around and looked at me and nodded. And I'm thinking, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> you know? And uh, I said, oh, I'm supposed to play something, but I couldn't remember Folsom Prison. And I asked Gene, the drummer, I said, count that off, Gene. He, he started the tempo, and I knew it was on a I knew it was on the low strings, <laughs> but I played something that uh, <laughs> wasn't close, I don't think. <laughs> but got him started, and so we did Folsom Prison. And during the song, Waylon came over, and he said, Hoss, we need to talk about your money. <laughs> <laughs> and he was laughing, you know. <laughs> there was one time we were in the out in Massachusetts. Chris is very political, you know. <laughs> so he, he got on stage. How can I say this? We were in Montauk. He said, I want to thank all those SOBs in, in <laughs> Washington <laughs> for sending our, our boys overseas to, I forget where now, downstairs someplace. And had to murder all those innocent women and children. <laughs> well, I thought that was going to end the tour. It, it, it almost stopped it. And finally, Cash said, no more political talking. said, we're out here to sing and entertain people, so we're not going to do that. But Chris, he had some good causes he, he, he backed, you know. But Being a veteran himself, yeah. it gives him a little more leeway than a lot of people. Oh, I was going to say when Chris said that, Colin Powell was in the in the audience, oh. <laughs> yeah. and uh, that's what got John Cash. Okay, I just got to quit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I've been knowing him a long time, and uh, Willie, I've been knowing Willie. When you were doing tours with the highwaymen were you worried that some of your session work might dry up in nashville absolutely 
That's why I kept the calendar in the best. <laughs> I'll write off. And then after I got, after that first tour, I got home and I stayed home. I was home a couple of weeks. And then I got to thinking, wow, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> you know, there was life outside Music Row, which really opened up a lot of doors for me. And uh, I enjoyed those tours. We did that for five years. When you recorded Poncho and Lefty, was Towns there in the studio? Yeah, I don't remember him being there. I don't know. He could have. I don't remember that. This is a Highwayman song. Uh, was it the Jimmy Webb song? Is it called The Highwayman? Mm-hmm. Um, Do you remember anything about that session? I remember, uh, seemed like Glenn Campbell came in and taught it to him. He knew the lyrics and he would sing it. But Campbell knew it. <laughs> Was there much effort put into finding a key that everybody sounded good in, or did everybody just go for it? I'm sure there was, but I don't remember that yet. There's a wonderful spiritual feel to that track, especially having those particular people singing those words. Yeah. It's really powerful. Yeah, it is. Well, it was Memphis Boys. I think think it's who all it was, was us. When we got the basic track, and we got it at Jeff's Moment Studio uh, here in Nashville. I remember uh, <laughs> it's another funny story on Chris. He said, uh, "You know, we need to hurry up and get this song." Said my voice is getting kind of is kind of going, and Willie said, "Well, how can you tell?" <laughs> <laughs> Did, uh, was there a lot of card playing on the tour? I've heard that Willie likes to play poker. Yeah, he does. Was there a lot of that going on? I, I wasn't in that. I couldn't afford it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there was. Yeah. It's a great bunch of guys. And Chris called Johnny Cash the father of our country. <laughs> and they all of them kind of looked up to Cash. And... Uh, but they all had a great time on stage. And if somebody did better one night, well, then, then we'd have a uh, song change. You know, we'd, well, we'd think, well, I could outdo so-and-so. And he'd uh, change his song and his position in the track, you know. So it, it's just about a different show every night. And... Uh, but they all got along real good. You mentioned Colin Powell coming out to a show. Uh-huh. I'm guessing there were probably a lot of famous people and a lot of very powerful people showing up to some of these shows. Yeah, that's yeah. I'm you sure remember, there was. Remember anybody in particular that might show up backstage? Boy, that's right in my brain. Uh, yeah, I'm sure there was, but I can't recall anyone right off the top of my head right now. <clears throat> Do you remember the last Highwayman show? And did you know it would be the last one when it happened? Well, not necessarily. I, I didn't know whether I was going to know. Knew, I didn't know if I was, knew it was going to be the last one. But, yeah, I remember, I remember when we did it. I think it was in Canada, I think. <laughs> it's funny. They all had monitors on stage, and it was in different colors. <laughs> so when Wayland 
had this thing that come on his monitor being red or something, did this thing, and then whoever turn was next would show up in green or yellow or something. And uh, so that's how they, they kept from running over each other, I guess. But uh, the last show, it said something about that was the last show, and congratulations. So what's one bit of practical advice as to playing in a band uh, that you would give to somebody? We'll say somebody's a pretty good player and uh, something that they might be thinking about to help improve how they fit with everybody else. Be yourself. Don't try to play like somebody else. You know, like you have your own style. You have your own style already if you just stay with it. I know after I... When I first moved here in 72, I was on a session, and uh, I was just brand new here. And the producer said, uh, uh, Reggie said, can you play, uh, would you play the course like Grady Martin does? And I thought about that, Grady Martin. And I said, uh, doesn't, doesn't Grady live here? <laughs> and, uh, I couldn't figure out why he would hire me to play like Grady Martin when he got Grady. And everybody laughed. I said, I thought to myself, oh, I said something I shouldn't say, you know. But uh, be yourself. Don't try to uh, be somebody that you're not. That's good advice. Yeah. Thank you so much for for inviting me over here. I've enjoyed listening to these stories so much. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. I'd like to thank everybody for listening in, and I'd like to thank Reggie for inviting me into his living room there in Leapers Fork, Tennessee. You can find out everything you need to know about Reggie at reggieyoung.org. If you'd like to help support this show, just go to otisgibbs.com and you can pick up a CD, a t-shirt, you can download any record I've ever made, you can buy one of my photographic prints, you can buy one of Amy's records, you can buy one of Amy's children's books, but anything that you buy... We'll mail from our living room to yours, and we'll even put in a little thank you note. If you'd like to help out but you're a little short on cash, just go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Leave a comment, subscribe, and you'll get a brand new episode free as soon as it's available. But if you enjoy this show, or you enjoy my music, or you enjoy Amy's music, please take the time to tell a friend and help us spread the word. And if you'd like to send us a message, we'd love to hear from you. Just send it to info at otisgibbs.com. I'm Otis Gibbs. Thanks for giving a damn.